Hello, everyone, especially all yous out there who are nodding at that brilliant music that means this is On The Ball and the 128th edition of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that has the influence to remind hundreds of thousands of global football fans that Ewan Roberts had good feet for a big man. I'm Michael Bailey. I cover the athletic no, I covered the Canaries for the Athletic. I don't cover the Athletic for Norwich City. That would be weird. I hope this finds you all very safe and very well. Uh, on the way, we've got lots of people behind. There we go. On the way, we have queue up the 85-point train. Sounding less and less excited as the numbers um, dwindle. Uh, the race to be most erratic. Ah, good job I said that right. And bring on the English week. We will work through all that and more with our guests who are Norwich number one chief at NCFC numbers, also known as our very own unmute Steve Sanders. Our very own unmute Steve Sanders. Uh, thanks, Michael sealed and delivered we also have former norris city head of content and program editor daniel brigham hello michael and last but by no means of all of the least along come norwich and barclay flag purveyor it is maddie mckenzie i like that your titles for me get a little bit scarier every time we're, we're, we're settling on something there <laughs> well, oh uh, well is that good is that okay was it too scary before? Uh, Have I got scary? Is it how I'm, ad- it it. How, I'm uh, how I'm addressing them? Do I need to? I just went from Maddie McKenzie to having at least two titles now, so oh, I, yeah. feel, I do feel privileged. By the time you're on for a tenth time, it's going to take us three minutes to get through just your titles alone. Um, thanks everyone for joining us. I hope everyone is extremely well. Steve, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, slightly deflated after yesterday. Um, oh, it was ages slightly ago. frustrated after yesterday. Um, I, I, sorry, I, it, it's almost like this isn't planned, uh, but I, I, I want to ask again about the intro. I didn't get the Ewan Roberts reference. I'm probably the only person here that didn't, but I just want to check what that was. No, it was probably designed for you to ask, Steve, because no one knows. Uh, I, I had the pleasure of hosting the TIFO podcast uh, earlier today, which was lovely. Uh, give it a listen if you if you get the chance. Don't worry if not. Um, and uh, in there, I said the word, I think they were talking about uh, Valt Veghorst um, being, you know, good with his feet. And I was like, well, like Ewan Roberts. I then had to clarify who Ewan Roberts oh, no. was about four no. minutes later. It was like, as in it was in the script. They might cut it all out. <laughs> they might. <laughs> which, you you clar- were, you, were you asked to clarify who Well, uh, we Roberts have a script was. and we have a producer. So, like, obviously exactly the same as this podcast. Oh, what in a what? <laughs> A script, a script and a producer, a and, a producer. Um, and they do stuff. And and a Steve Hanky Hankles, Hankles Hanky, um, <laughs> he uh, he wrote in wrote in the script. You and Roberts, uh, for those who don't know, is a Norwich and well Norwich legend and former Wales international. I think that's how he wrote it. So I then obviously clarified that as uh, like a good boy and a good presenter. Will you? Uh, which, um... Will you be putting references to uh, on the ball podcast moments in your TIFO podcast intro? In, uh... Uh, probably not. Okay, we're, not uh, we're not big time enough. That's, uh, that's no, uh, uh, Nor- we know Norwich's place in the world. And who isn't happy with Norwich's place in the world? Stuck on the back of the 85 point train. Um, so I think we ascertained that Steve is well. Dan? Are you well? I am also well, thank you. I am good. And can I start with a question? Yes, you can. Uh, yes. So I asked this. The whole uh, audience. Oh, okay. This is a football-related, not necessarily Norwich City-related question. I have been asked, and I don't have the answer to, and no, none of us have the answer to, the four of us. So and you just want hope... to look good. You want to look yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was hoping someone might better help in. us out. Yeah. So the question, Ooh. without Googling, obviously, is who is the only player to have played in the World Cup, the Champions League, the UEFA Cup, the Intertoto Cup, one for our younger listeners there, and all four levels of the English football and the fifth level of English football. Which player has done that? So that's World Cup, Champions League, UEFA Cup, Intertoto Cup, and the top five tiers of English football. I don't Sorry. know. Is my I'm answer. expecting the answers to come streaming in now. <laughs> Get your answers in if you're watching. to light up. If, if you're watching live, get your answers in. If you're not watching uh, live, which you can do on social media, but if you're listening to the podcast as normal, um, and I think you're brilliant for doing that, then uh, you can um, e- email us your answer. Why not? Because we might not get an answer by the end of the show. 
uh, and just email it in. I mean, we might do, and then you'll have your answer. But if you want to email your answers because you haven't got there, do it to twitterkers at iCloud.com. Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. You can email anything you like to that, and I will always read all of them. Uh, might not we've, comment on them. We've already, had, already. Um, <laughs> we've already had one very good guess. Oh, we've already had the answer. Right. Well, who knows? It's got well, should we hold it, though? Should we hold it? Yeah, let's I, hold it. Let's hold let's it. Let's hold it for a little bit. 45 <laughs> seconds and just not show all, ourselves up to be completely This is all the content ignorant. we've got. Like, <laughs> obviously, it's Have they written yeah. the answer and then gone, duh? No, 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 no. Um, it's, there's a question mark on the end, but it's just, it's a okay. good guess. It's a good oh, guess. Okay, well, there we go. Oh, another answer. Ooh. Right, let's keep an, eye, keep an eye on the answers. Meanwhile, mm. Mad, that was the voice of Maddie McKenzie. You've already heard her voice. How are you, Maddie? I'm tired, Michael, acting like the consummate professional I am every day. I did manage to get a Norwich reference into my PE lesson today. I had oh. um, a class of, of 10 to 11-year-olds who were engaging Ugh. in some unsportsmanlike conduct during oh. vegetable. Don't don't say, oh, that, that's my class you're talking about. Oh, um, sorry, I'm sure I, they're I, lovely. I, it's just the idea of being a teacher is, is more for my <laughs> wife well, than for me. Yes, it doesn't fight the boat for everyone. But um, I, 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 they Before were... you carry on, I would like to know what the unsporting behaviour was. You may have been about to say that. but I... <sighs> You may remember being that age, asking to pick your teams when you played sports. And I explained to them that from a teacher's perspective, that's potentially the worst thing they could do because I didn't want to spend 10 minutes of them going, oh, I'm in this team, I'm in that team. And there was a lot of whinging and saying, this is a rubbish team, this is a rubbish team. So I said to them, sport's unfair. You only have to look at Norwich versus Sunderland on the weekend. You know, we had a we had a referee who was it was causing me to tear my hair out on the stands, but did they stand around and go, oh, this is unfair, we're losing? And, and yes. some of the kids were like, yeah, they did. <laughs> Thank you, you've just ruined my metaphor. Oh, you know, no. don't, don't undermine me. <laughs> but... Yeah, right. so Norwich always provided good metaphor in any any teaching strategy. That's my go-to behaviour management plan. Just bring up how terrible Norwich were at the weekend. It's a pretty, it's a fabric of society, isn't it? So well mm. said, Maddie. Well, I'm sure it was a lesson that they've all learned, and they will now recount until the next one you give them, which will only be just around the corner. Um, that's all grand. I'm glad everyone is well. Uh, that's just exciting. We've done the email plug. I think we've already touched on it. So I reckon we should probably crack on. Get your comments and questions in. Obviously, if you're watching live, please do that. And uh, as I said, you know how to contact us if you're not. That's all good. So I reckon we crack on with this week's headline act. Yes, this didn't go to plan, did it? Or did it? Was it what we expected? Sunderland came to Carrow Road and won 1-0. It is not a statement result, Claxon, this week. Or is it? Maybe it is, Steve. Was this a statement result? Is this the Norwich City? I, I, it struck me. It struck me that all, all week I'd felt, you know, the Millwall result was great. There was perhaps some mitigation as to why Millwall did what they did. But I couldn't quite 100% feel reliable that Norwich would be great again. <laughs> I just felt like I couldn't trust them. And lo and behold, Steve, that was why I couldn't trust them. Is that fair? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, my recollection of the last podcast is that we were talking about how, how many points behind Sheffield United are yes! we late to break into the top two. So I, I think maybe this feels a little bit like hindsight. I thought we would win. Um, and I thought after three good performances that uh, we wouldn't be toothless and slightly inept and just seemingly incapable of controlling the football and completing passes. It was weird um, how far the drop-off was from the Millwall performance. Um, I think we've done a, a quite a bit of sort of maybe been a bit unkind to some of Norwich City's opponents this season. And I think due credit to Sunderland, who defended excellently and um, nullified us quite well. They they had a certain way of doing it towards the end of the game, but, you know, he, we would have done exactly the same thing. Um, I think we probably learned from yesterday that when Gab, Gabby Sarah isn't quite on it, that we struggle, because uh, I think he his performance dropped uh, from the levels that he's been reaching over the last few weeks, and really, we never, we never really created a great chance over the ninety minutes. Which for a team who are you know are, are basically playing at home to what was a mid-table team who had lost five-one the previous weekend, is is not ideal. I would say um, 
the referee, as Maddie's already alluded to, played his part. And I'm sure we will talk about Tim Robinson, who I know is already one of your favourites, Michael, even before yesterday. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think we can make any excuses. And, and David Wagner didn't make any excuses in his um, post-match press conference. Um, they weren't good enough and uh, they've got to get better pretty quickly because um, it felt like they were building some momentum and now it feels like they've lost it. Ugh. the momentum I mean, not just lost it generally lost it they have lost it Norwich have lost it um I mean there is obviously a performative element to a to a podcast no one wants to sit here being too realistic and I've been embracing this whole you know uh, positive feeling let's be excited about what Norwich could achieve you don't want to be you know too down on them so I think that was maybe <laughs> some element of that um how down on them were you though on Sunday Daniel um, I suppose that's, uh, the short-term picture was pretty down in them. They were it was poor. They were flat. It was uh, felt like I don't know. It's a sort of odd combination of being um, maybe complacent, um, maybe felt like they're going to stroll it because of Sunderland's form and our form. But equally. Who can blame them when you when the match is kicking off at twelve o'clock, which is an inhumane time for anyone uh, to play football? And God bless all the Sunderland fans who made it down for that game for a twelve o'clock kickoff. There were loads, and we're it... no- well, they sold out, I think, didn't they? And we're noisy for the um, entirety of it. But I think it was just a reflection of where we're at as a club at the moment. Wagner's only been here for ten games; still, it's been a good start to his ten game reign. Um, but there's been problems all season that we're never going to get fixed as immediately. Um, and in, in some ways, what he's been able to do and get six wins and 19 points out of, that, out of those 10 games has been a pretty extraordinary achievement, given the fact uh, where we were before that, having won something like 11 points from the previous 10 games. But it was a sort of staff reminder that if we were all hoping and expecting us to just to roll into a, into the playoffs easily now and book our Wembley uh, tickets, it, it's not going to be as easy as that. In fact, just before this, I did a, li- a little bit of research, uh, stuck it on research. Twitter and got one like from it. I missed it. I 15 missed minutes it. worth of research. So 10 games Wagner in, 10 games, 19 points. There are 10 games left this season. So 10 more games to get. If we get the same number of points, which is 19, which is really healthy, only three clubs, the top three clubs have got more than two points a game this season. We end up on 74 points. And that has been enough get sixth place in five of the last 10 seasons and obviously not enough to get sixth place in five of the last 10 seasons as well so it's right on a knife edge which is what we're all football fans I guess isn't it it's something to play for for the time being at least I view I, I think it'll be a low total this year but I've, I I kind of remember remind myself that I say that most years and then it isn't <laughs> it's almost yeah, so, as if everyone kicks on at the end so the last year was 75 season before that was 77 and then 70 uh, in 1920 so it's it's only once been below 70 points since yeah. the turn of the since 2010 so it's effectively we probably need 21 points right to be so wow. seven wins out of our last 10 games to be absolutely certain depends if um, you're sat on the 85 point train or not doesn't it like we're fine <laughs> yeah it's yeah. more like the 75 point train now we should probably cool. be aiming for that sounds horrible yes steve I was just going to say, um, uh, again, not planned, but I, I'd done exactly the same bit of research just before the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. I should have, left, should have left it to the numbers, man. No, 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 no. We are, <laughs> we are, we're clearly in sync. The only other thing I was going to add is that I think in terms of where we are, the th- where sixth place is after 36 games, it, it's basically, it's like an average season, right? So, so average number to get there is 74 and we're basically on the average season so i think we can be sure it's well not sure of anything but it's going to be close to that i guess oh so average i love it <laughs> and, and maddie it's, it's been a really interesting debate i think off the back of sunday as well because it, um i saw I, apologies i can't remember who it was but i saw someone sort of mention that dean smith was the issue over the first half of the season and because no one of a Norwich supporter persuasion. Not many people liked him. I think that's a fair statement. Obviously, now lots of people like David Wagner, and therefore it's now the squad's fault for not being good enough. So uh, where do we sort of, in reflection on a game like this, where I thought there were coaching issues probably, but also there were 
you know, performance issues and probably circumstantial issues in that Sunderland were off the back of a hammering and probably needed to show a reaction as well. So um, where would you put the balance? Yeah, that's a tricky one. I think I, I think people were still blaming the squad when Dean Smith was in charge. There were a lot of people saying this is a very average championship squad. There were very, very few Norwich fans saying this is a squad that should be nailed on for automatic promotion. This is a squad that should be surviving in the Premier League because we'd just seen what they'd done in the Premier League and it wasn't much. So although there were the issues with Dean Smith being what Dean Smith was, there were still the criticisms of the squad. And I think the criticisms have kind of stayed roughly where they were. They've just shifted from one player to the other. So whereas, for example, Kenny McLean was getting the criticisms in the first half, it's now, I don't know, Grant Hanley looking at the comments on some of them, looking at the comments on this podcast so far. A lot of people have it in for Grant Hanley. Although, as Neil has pointed out, it seems to change from week to week. We just pick a player to lambast one week in and then the next week we're saying they're God's gift of football. I, people are more willing to give David Wagner the benefit of the doubt because he has made that connection with the fans and he's come out and admitted when things aren't going right. So whereas if Dean Smith had been in charge of that display on Sunday, I think he would have gone straight in on the referee straight away, said, I was really proud of the performance from the lads, but the referee ruined it for us. Whereas Wagner says... Yeah, but there were refereeing issues, but I won't get drawn on that. It was our problem and we need to focus on that. So a lot of it is just about that communication. And David Wagner is better at communicating than Dean Smith. Is that unfair that people are judging him on that? Maybe, but it's part and parcel of being a football manager. And Dean Smith just never got to grips with that, whereas Wagner very clearly has. And because of that, people are going to give him more time and perhaps divert their attention elsewhere. How, you mentioned Grant Hanley, which is very nice timing. How do we how do we view the goal? I mean, there wasn't really anything else in terms of goal mouth incident to talk about. I can't think of any. Norwich apparently had five shots on target. I, I I mean, I can't think of those. I'm sure they were there, and I've probably just blotted them out of my mind. But um, the the goal itself, I, I didn't really I didn't really like. But I'm curious to know what you guys thought. Go on, Steve. You you had your mouth half open there. I sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel bad, uh, having got Hanley after, after last week when, uh, you criti- well, after you criticized him for his a really excellent goal line clearance, we're now going a second week in a row for, for doing uh, maybe, something that was genuinely not that good. Maybe um, I rocked his confidence. <laughs> I mean, my, yeah, my first inclination was that he had, um, bar had three of our defenders around him, um, was 20 yards from goal. And no, no Sunderland players that near him still managed to get a shot away and put it into the corner. It it wasn't great, Court, really. Or, well, yeah, yeah. And that, that's another thing is that it it wasn't hit at any great pace um, and wasn't right in the corner. Um, so maybe that's a questionable bit of goalkeeping. That's still Scotland's problem now. So we don't really need to get too worried about that. Um, I mean, the, the other chance, obviously, I think the other only other big chance was a few minutes after that when Gelhart was was played in and Gibson had, for some reason, stepped up or appeared to have stepped up. And, um, yeah, and, and that really should have been 2-0. So, um, as, as Maddie says, there's a few people questioning the uh, Gibson-Hanley uh, combination, which I, I don't know. I've always been a bit of a defender of those two because of what they did the last time we were at this level. But when they've played together this season, we haven't look that secure and um yeah i don't know what the long-term solution to that is really uh is it interesting with that other chance because i think if ben gibson steps up you just have to do it all together you can't do it you know unilaterally so that the problem was that no one else went up either so whether he's shouting at them or you know is anyone talking to each other i don't know it's really hard to tell within a crowd but um it obviously looks terrible on, on ben gibson but if the idea is that they all should have moved up then then they should have done that you can say something dan were you, were you no i was stifling at you <laughs> brilliant <laughs> that's the way fantastic <laughs> monday evening it's, it's been a long <laughs> yeah minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. stay tuned I've folks i've seen no reflection on anyone here it's oh just of course not. reflection on my lack of sleep last night yeah well yes <laughs> Well, there we go. Uh, good. Glad you weren't about to say something. Um, to add to that, to, to add to that though, I, I've not seen the goal back, but at the time it felt like 
Angus Gunn, who has been outstanding, well, excellent for us this season. It felt like he was. You've downgraded there. You've downgraded. It felt like he was. He's been all right. He's been very, very good for us this season. Reliable. Reliable. Um, And he he will deserve international football as well. And it's nice that he's playing for us while we're actually we've been on the good winning run, pretty much first time in his Norwich City (laughs) career. But it did feel like he was positioned slightly closer to the snake pit than the centre of the goal (laughs) for Sunderland's winner. I don't know because I've not seen it back. About the time it kind of felt like his positioning was a little bit off, which is very so I, rare for him. It was interesting because I asked him in a very polite way how he viewed <laughs> the goal. <laughs> um, and he was like, he's, I've got to watch it back. Um, he said he was just trying to get his position deeper in the goal to give himself a bit more time for when the shot came in, which is fine. But he isn't really set at all. And he just goes, he goes to his right. And obviously the shot goes to his left, but he just mm-hmm. opens up so much of that side. And so I, I think there was a big issue. The ball doesn't go in the net if a goalkeeper is set and, and ready to go. And I think fair play to Barr because he's seen that, reacted to it and, and put it there, which is obviously normally incredibly difficult, but he managed it. So well done to him. Um, what else happened in the game that we should talk about? Oh, are there things we're not going to talk about? It's all a blur. There are things we are not going to talk about. So maybe we should talk about those. Um, the set pieces were terrible. <laughs> Absolutely all over the shop. Every one of them, all just like wow. We miss you, Alan Russell. Absolutely, it was like it was like they're gone. <laughs> We've cracked this. Let's not do any work on it this week, and we'll be. Well, fine. they definitely had tried something for the first corner route in it. It failed, and then it seemed that seemed to burst their bubble, didn't it? But that that, that so this is my point. It was my piece on the athletic uh, plug plug piece on the athletic um, off the back of the game, like. Norwich's reaction to the goal up until half time, they were so all over the place. Like they, I, I, and for a team that is, you know, David Wagner wanted them to get on top of that. How they reacted to goals, um, it's it's amazing, Maddie, how quickly we seem to regress back into that same situation of oh god, we've gone one nil down. All of a sudden, we can't play out from the back, which. The jeering for that only ever comes because the team looks completely unable to do it. If they if they sow that seeds, then the crowd reacts to it. Ben Gibson putting a goal kick out of play for a corner, basically. I mean, I don't I don't understand how a, they're, they're still a perfectly capable group of players seem to complete become they're like me. They're completely flappable when things go a bit awry. Yeah, I was quite happy to see you write that in your piece earlier because. Um... Not to not to do my own plug, but whenever we agree, when I write my match review and then you write something similar a few days later, it kind of makes me feel like I know what I'm talking about a little bit. Oh, and I think I, I said in that match do. review that <laughs> that sometimes it seems as if we're playing as a group of very talented individuals but have no cohesion as a team. And th- at that point, after conceding a goal, that's when that starts to show that they just seem incapable of talking to each other. And I get the argument that fans shouldn't get on top of the players but I'm kind of loath to blame the fans for that like you say it's a response to what's going on on the pitch they're not starting jeering and then suddenly the play becomes bad the players becoming bad and then people are going oh my goodness what are they doing so it's it's a response to what we're seeing and it's difficult to remain composed when like you say we're putting out a goal kick for a corner um it worries me that that resilience and that mentality isn't there because it has been there so we went a goal down against Wigan and came back and won 3-2. So we can do it. It just seems that at some... No, it was Millwall. <laughs> we were going to get a goal down against Millwall, yeah, and won 3-2. So, you know, it, it, it's there. They have the resilience and they can push through and do it. So it, it it's baffling to me that sometimes they just seem to forget. And it's almost like they go, oh, God, we've got a goal down, we've lost, like in the Premier League. And this isn't the Premier League. We have shown that we can do it at this level. We've shown that we can do it under David Wagner. Is it something about playing at home? Is it that fear that the fans are going to get on their backs? I thought our home form was turning around, but maybe not. It's just another one of those issues that seems to plague Norwich in one match and then in the other, they seem to have completely shaken it off. I said I feel bad for anyone having to preview the games at the moment because you just have no idea what Norwich are going to come up with. Sometimes they look like this completely competent team who have been playing together since academy stage and sometimes they look like they don't even talk to each other off the pitch it it is weird it would be nice to sort of know what they want to be at this point in the season but we don't we don't have a clue well it's an international break coming up for deep reflection amongst the squad (laughs) so that would be perfect um michael just on the set piece point had a quick look uh, and we sort of broadly touched on this last week um 
so because I think that we're just useless at scoring from set pieces, like Millwall aside. So you didn't say um, that last week. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, but from, from like conventional ball into the box header. So we've so Hanley scored that one in Dean Smith's first game against Southampton. Wow. And we've had sixty eight since then, uh, sixty eight games since then, and scored two headers from set pieces. One was Kenny. <laughs> and one against Wolves in the Cup, and the other one was Josh Sargent against Bristol City this season. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, I know it's not good. I feel like it's probably bad. Um, but like I think I said this last week, Gibson has never scored for us. Hanley seems to be the least threatening centre-half from a set-piece that you could possibly imagine. Yeah, we always aim for him. I, like I, I feel like we need to mix up the set-pieces in order to carry any sort of threat, because we've got nobody that seems to win the ball in the air from them. Well, um, I did ask David Wagner that before the game of the weekend, and he agreed that they need to mix it up. Um, so what they decided to do on Sunday was do all the bad ones. <laughs> yeah. And then hopefully the good ones are going to come in the next couple of games. I don't know how it compares to other teams, but I mean, at the moment, I think general conve- convention of wisdom of what Norwich were, that's a sentence, was that they were pretty good at defending set pieces. I know people all laugh and go, what? what? But that, that is what the numbers said um, generally, uh, but weren't really effective at scoring from them. So I suppose that's still carrying on a bit. And that was with a set piece coach. We'll see what it looks like without one. Which is probably one of the things we are not going to talk about in this week's Twang Tata. Twang Tata. Uh, Yes, Alan Russell has left. That was predictable. Uh, From the first moment I asked David Wagner about Alan Russell, and he gave an answer that was basically, well, he's here. Um, we then got the answer. Didn't it say he's going to pursue other opportunities? Is oh. that in, in football, outside football? Modeling. Just want a girlfriend. Modeling. Just other opportunities. <laughs> Is he going to go Zoolander himself, pursuing some modelling opportunities? <laughs> he might possibly. Opportunities that are different to the one he was currently opportuning. Um, yeah, I yes. Uh, they, 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 he, he didn't want to be there, and I guess David Wagner didn't want him. Onwards they go. Um, so that's that. We're not going to talk about that. And we're not going to talk about referee Tim Robinson. Now, actually, Steve, you've referenced this. Can you remember why I have an issue with Tim Robinson? Because I can't. Oh, I don't know. I feel like no, there, was I a, there was definitely a game where I just remember you having one of your sort of standard referee rants on Twitter. And I'm pretty no, that's not me. That's I'm not gonna, confusing I, me with someone else. I'm a man with a lot of time in his hands, so I'm prepared to go back and, and dig it out. So, I mentioned it in my video verdict, which was actually me sat here doing it because I didn't have the time to do it at the ground. And um, yeah, there were definitely games early on that Tim Robinson refereed and he was erratic and his name stuck in my head as they do if they are erratic. And then the last few, I think, have been pretty good. He's been okay, or he's not affected the result in any way. I don't know if he really did affect the result on Sunday, to be honest. I don't feel he did. He was just a bit, well comical if you were watching from the press box and probably infinitely frustrating if you were in either stand home or away well i suppose denying a clear score goal scoring opportunity <laughs> could affect the result true. Very are you true. saying he should have sent himself off yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, could write, you could write an entire novel probably about his five seconds thick thought process between thinking he needs to make that decision, making that decision and realising he shouldn't have made that decision. It did at one point, because someone, they were obviously all the Norwich players were like, what in God's name are you doing? And it was like, probably, and I tweeted it at the time, one of the worst pieces of refereeing I've seen because you you just have to take a second. It's it's such an ju- easy judgment call. Um, I, and, and then and then he sort of, obviously the players are then speaking to him and his face sort of contorts. He sort of goes, well, nah, as if like what you're saying is rubbish. I was obviously, it's just like, oh. I, so I he got defensive right. rather than admitting his, his yeah, error. Cabra well, <laughs> Sarab, by the way, I've never seen a man punch the earth as uh, violently as he did when the when whistle blew. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a Ben Stokes incident, the England test cricket captain who broke his own hand punching a locker when he got out. Once in a, in a I, I feared for that fist because he properly, properly wellied the ground. Well, it, it was sort of like it was sort of like something out of a battle scene from a movie. He was riding challenges, and he'd somehow managed to get through two people trying to chop him down. 
got and his pass to. He was still. I think I can't remember being so annoyed. I, I don't normally get that riled at refereeing decisions, but it was just so. It's just you don't need to do anything. Doing nothing would have been better in that but situation. That was the point. Like Gabby Sarah had actually wriggled free of the challenge and was free of the second challenge. So it wasn't like yeah. he was cleared out mm. and then it's like someone runs in and takes on the ball. He was actually clear of the second challenge. He played the ball. And then he basically brought play back. <laughs> from and a, he also from he brought it back to the first foul as well. So yes. it wasn't really any benefit. <laughs> I can't cope with two fouls on the trot. We can't play two advantages on the road. It doesn't work like that. It was like, if that, remember that great Johnny Housen goal against Manchester City? If the referee had just blown up for a yeah. foul just as Housen was about to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Or um, Maradona's oh. goal, Maradona's goal in '86. He'd just given it for that foul by Peter Reid or whoever it was. You know? <laughs> if Tim Robinson had refereed every game in history, then so many great goals would be chalked off. Oh, this is so true. I love it. Um, I mean, uh, equally erratic was him uh, giving Max Aaron's a free kick for just falling over oh, yeah. and grabbing the ball. Mm-hmm. When that, that popped up on the replay, I was like, I. Don't know what's happened there. That's quite funny. And well, um, oh yes, yeah, sorry, Steve. But I was going to say there were thirty, so thirty-four fouls in were awarded in the game. That's four more than any game we've had this season. Yeah. So uh, make of that what you. But that was like before. Well, mostly before that final one as well. So that just compounded a terrible game. Um, what is the fitting um, uh, retribution? That's not the word. Uh, penalty? That's not the word either. I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of. Um, for a player kissing another player and then the other player grabbing their <laughs> neck. I, I don't know. I don't. Alter, I don't know how would you deal with that altercation. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, there's something quite affectionate about a kiss, but then if you don't want to be kissed, it's also assault. So yeah. I don't know what. I don't know. <laughs> Where the line? Well, I do know where the line is. Obviously, I'm a human. I know what the rules are. But what what happened? What when it happens on a football? I you know. I feel like it's happened before, but I don't remember the occasion. So there's probably a listicle of it somewhere. I feel like if it had to happen to someone, it was going to happen to him. It just, oh, just feels like the most lungy thing possible. Are you jealous? You feel jealous, maybe? <laughs> Not really my type, but um, <laughs> it it just made me laugh that his his response was just to sort of go. Huh? And then do like the most light-hearted hand around the neck ever, just sort of a <laughs> like any other player. Could well, you imagine? I think he had his neck. He tries right? that I, think, I no. think you're being biased there. He literally had him by the throat. <laughs> but yes, for, for about half a second, it was a, it was a love tap. It was there was nothing. Because you know, if he tries that on like Grant Hanley or someone, you know, he's getting knocked into next week. Yeah. But Lungi sort of just had the, the typical Lungi response of, "Well, does something happen? Did I do I have to respond to it?" And it 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 does strike me as ironic that he's finally you know he scored that great goal against um, Birmingham, but the thing that's finally got him noticed by football Twitter is the fact that he got snogged by a Sunderland player. It's just it, it couldn't happen to anybody else. It, I, you, you couldn't script it. That, that it, oh, it just makes me laugh every time I watched it, and I missed it in real life. I just saw him getting antsy, and everyone going, "Oh look, it's it's Lungi. He's doing something. He's doing something." Because of course, whenever he does anything on the pitch, everyone around me just goes, "Oh look, look, he's doing something." Yeah, I've got, yeah, I can see. Thank you. I've, I've got eyes, and I can see what he's doing. I don't need the commentary. I think it's because they get the commentary from me on him warming up. Like, he's going to come on. He's going to come on. So he was, well, he was getting feisty. I'm like, if if something if he's getting feisty, something something important's happened, and. It had. He got. I don't. I don't think many of us would be pleased if we were just trying to do our jobs, and you know, some stranger comes up and plants one on us. I think he. Well, I think he the deserves, yes. deserves the right to react. So maybe, maybe two bookings, possibly. I mean, Luke O'Nine. I think I can't. I don't know if it's O'Nine or O'Nine. Dan, do you, Steve? Anyone know how to pronounce it? I didn't O-Nine. listen to the commentary. Think back to the Netflix documentary. Oh yes. Can we just watch that? I always, always think answer? of him as like a youngin from that. He he's got he's got a glint in his eye. I I, th- I think he would he would he would kick your legs if he could quite happily. I think. Well, he, there's a video of him going back into the tunnel and knocking the ball off of the plinth, and all the Sunderland fans going, "Oh yeah, he's so cool! Isn't he clever? Isn't he sweet?" <laughs> his his face after he had snogged or stroke assaulted uh, Jakob Sørensen was was the face of a man who was like, yeah deal with that you don't even know how to deal with that there was like, okay moment, um, all right there's a moment earlier in the season with him i think it was against bristol city where a free kick had been given and he was kind of chasing the player and he literally jumped on the player's back that's like, yes and was given a piggyback yeah. for a few seconds so i think he's 
just a bit, maybe just a bit of a maniac. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Chaos. He is basically. For want of a better is, word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the footballer equivalent of this podcast. That's what he is. Uh, so, uh, Max Aaron's falling over. We've done that. Uh, we had the US announcer. It was a Tampa time takeover at Carroll Road. We had no PA two weeks ago. This time we had US PA. I loved it. Admittedly, I found it quite funny. Um, <laughs> did everyone else love it? I would say not. Yes, it happened. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I would say it's also never like, happened again. We hope. <laughs> that was the equivalent of Ben Gibson stepping up there and us just yes! not going with you at all. Oh my god! Things we don't need to talk about. Things we don't need to talk about is Tampa. Really, uh, I mean, who cares really about Tampa? We had a, a whole match devoted to Tampa. And, you know, it brings a lot of money into the club. But exactly, um, we've started exactly. commercialising our PA announcements. <laughs> yes. Seems a bit grubby to me. Wow. I, I think the most shocking Have thing was the fireworks in the middle of the day. <laughs> yes, green fireworks. Lots of people um, very frustrated about fans being banned by taking pyrotechnics into the stands, yet then being confronted with pyrotechnics in front of them. Um, not quite seeing the slight difference there. <laughs> um, so that's that. Uh, yes, I was going to say something else, but well, you know, Tam Tampa could well be Norwich's um, second biggest income generator once the parachute payments run out, Dan. So let's not slag them off. That might not be true um, as an actual ranking, but obviously very financially viable. Uh Angus Gunn is now oh, so Alan Partridge esque. <laughs> just so financially viable. So it just 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 really came across very partridgey. Sorry. It's, uh, it's what I it's what I um, aim to be every week. You won't, you won't hear this bit in the podcast, will you? It what? <laughs> You'll be editing that bit out. Being accused. No, of no, being no. Out no. <laughs> I, I, hardly. I'll probably clip it out. That's his whole um, dick then. Yeah, I've been his whole career. That's what he aims for. <laughs> Goal! Uh, Angus Gunn is now Scottish. That's, uh, he's going to play for Scotland. Uh, that's the plan. He's Sorry, had a meeting I'll, with Steve Clark. Clark. I'll be behind Alan Partridge doing the PA announcement from now on. Hang on, we'll 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 get, on from this. Can we get what? Steve Coogan <laughs> to do it? That would be a great idea. Maybe you could do it, Michael. Well, we've already ascertained they won't be letting me on the pitch. I think it's unlikely they'd let oh, yes. me on the microphone. <laughs> Sorry, I've just so, remembered the myriad reasons why they yeah. couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, I would happily do it. If anyone from Norwich City Football Club wants to invite me, oh, come on. That says Dan Wynn does a brilliant job. I was thinking they, that yeah, on Sunday. Does. Dan Wynn, not only is he a wonderful man, he does a brilliant job and he's good on the mic. So there we go. There's some Dan Wynn love. Yeah, Angus Gunn is Scottish and, yes, has had a meeting with Steve Clark. Uh, he doesn't feel he's now going to play for England, which probably seems quite logical. So he's going to try his hand at Scotland because his dad named him with lots of Scottish names. <laughs> I think that was Brian's logic. Uh, so, yeah, that's good. I mean, I assume he's going to get a call up. Um, what, what's Angus Gunn's middle name? Uh, there's a Fraser in there. Fraser. It, yeah, oh, yeah, yes. Angus Fraser, which I wonder if was inspired by 1990s <laughs> medium, England medium pace uh, cricketer. Angus Fraser. Yeah, seems logical. Yeah. Just just so he could play for England as well. You know, he's hedging <laughs> yeah. his bets there. That's the most Scottish name for an English man ever, isn't it? I've never thought of it that way. Um, so, yes, that's good for Angus. Hope he gets a call up. As I said, it wouldn't really make sense if he now didn't. Because it'd be like Steve Clark going, yeah, you can be Scottish. <laughs> We're not going to call you up. But, you know, try your best. Uh, we haven't had an international break in ages, so that'll be exciting in March, which is this month, <laughs> so everyone's aware. And I've, I'm out. Anyone else got anything else they don't want to talk about? Um, well, yes. I, I think we need to mention, um, well, in fact, Kevin Buller has mentioned, hi, guys, do you know who was involved in Christ, turning the water funny. hose on in front of the snake pit, soaking the sky cameraman? It was the best part of the match. I think it actually was the best part of the match. <laughs> oh. Um, any intel? Anyone got any intel on that? Uh, no. Uh, no, I mean, it was, only one, it, spring, it was one, <laughs> one sprinkler and that sprinkler, wasn't it? It was, uh, and they then had to run on the pitch to avoid it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Just, they're just trying to give a hint that they don't want to be on television anymore this season. <laughs> Maybe that's the point. Like, uh, yeah. 
Well, I think go. I think the preceding 90 minutes probably uh, did for that anyway, didn't it? Um, and Albert has said that um, this was great, so I don't have to look it up. Michael tweeted about Tim Robinson being unable to control games after Norwich won Preston won in November 2017. What a memory, Albert. Wow. Albert. Wow. You're, you're, you're my favourite, Albert. Um, <laughs> yeah. That does, uh, that, that sounds, it's he, definitely that lack was, of control. Definitely. He was booed by both sets of fans, wasn't he? That's the thing. He's a he's a he's chaos. He's a chaos merchant. He doesn't care. He's there. The game happens around him. You know what will be will be. And, Was um, Keith Stroud the fourth official on? Um, great on Sunday. Oh, that would that would have just topped. Because from the south stand, it just looked. And as a very yeah, small man myself, it looked like a tiny man. And I assumed it was Keith Stroud. It was uh, Gavin Ward. Um, okay. who I think has had his own moments with Norwich in recent history, but I might be wrong. And I, I've, I've got, I've gone beyond the point of remembering these things. I, I have children now. I, I can't retain which referees <laughs> are annoying me anymore. But um, I did see someone, someone told me that, Oh, we've got Tim Robinson today and Keith Stroud at Huddersfield. So we, he may be the referee yeah. on Wednesday. Again, I haven't checked that as a fact. It could have been Steve, you're, a hilarious joke. Your fact about what 34 fouls being the most this season is we're playing Neil Warnock's Huddersfield on Wednesday. Oh, yes. That's I, Neil Warnock's eyes bloody love a little foul, don't they? So <laughs> I, I reckon that record might be challenged. Save it for the preview, um, <laughs> which is on, on uh, in, incoming as we speak. Uh, any more interesting comments, Steve? Unless anyone has anything um, that they still don't want to talk about, or can we? No. Yep. Checking in and yes, comment, Steve. Well, we've had some we've had some really good comments, but a lot of them have been covered by things we've talk, uh, spoken about. But Paul Frake says um, we need to learn how to deal with opponents' high press. Burnley and Sunderland showed we couldn't cope. So I don't know if anybody has any feelings on uh, being pressed or not being pressed. T- Tony Mowbray effectively said, if you paraphrased him, why would you be a team trying to play out from the back when you? can't really do it very well <laughs> that's basically what he said it's <laughs> like you know norwich play out from the back that's how they want to play but they give you a chance to win the ball 30 yards from their goal and then probably score uh, yeah it's really interesting listening to tony mowbray um, there's a couple of things about that isn't it it's it's obviously wagner's only been there 10 games so he's still probably coaching playing out from the back the way he wants to second thing i guess is not having sernson in there means our midfield is more open as opposed to against Millwall when it was less open. So it makes it riskier playing out from the back. And the third thing is we're, and Kenny has been excellent since Wagner came in, but the one thing he has always struggled with, and this, you know, when he was just your classic number eight in central midfield is when you get properly pressed. And the problem is when we're being pressed really high up the pitch, he is our out ball in midfield. He is when he gets the ball and is supposed to get us ticking and he does struggle a bit with that. And, you know, with, with lots of caveats to that is, you know, we barely play with many people in the centre of the park, so he may not have any options. Uh, teams can set up a really good high pressure. Really well, so it's a really tough role to play. But he does struggle a little bit with that role, I think, when uh, opponents are re- playing really high up the pitch. He, he, did a, he did a classic throwing hands up in the air and apology in the first minute of the oh, game. It's a 360, wasn't it? He made, made sure he took in every stand when he was apologising. In the first, in, was there one in the first minute as well? There was yeah, I, literally I, the first minute. I screen grabbed and went through the one just before half time, where he basically just passed the ball to Bar, and then managed to win it back. And then he literally did pirouette. He had one arm up, pirouetted round. The, the ball was behind him. They were looking for it, but he was still stood there. And then he sort of tweaked. Oh no, I need to move out wide now so that someone can play me the ball because you know the game's still going on. But I don't know that, A, like I've never known a footballer to do it, which is why it gets spoken a lot. But B, I kind of love him for it as well. Yeah, because he too. does every time. It's he's like, sweet. I, it's I, sweet. I really, I know I've mucked up and I just want everyone to know I'm really sorry. <laughs> I think, it's I like, think that's it, great, I Kenny. Get on with it. There's a time for being contrite, but he needs oh, to move on a bit. Just, he's just a really brilliant human being as well. Um, so, and I should say uh, he has been excellent when teams don't yeah. press us that well or effectively. He he has been very good under Wagner in that slightly new role, and he is very good at he he can hit passes that not everyone can do in that team. You know, there's a lot of really good quality in him as well. So there we go. Hopefully that's enough balance to the Kenny Force. <laughs> um, 
Shall we move on? Happy, Steve? Go for it, Michael. He's given a thumbs up. Which well, is I've got a question. Oh, no, 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 carry on. It's fine. Go on. Oh, no, go on. Go on, Dan. Because <laughs> my question is relevant to Huddersfield, so... Oh, okay, hold it, hold it. Um, did we get an answer to your question, actually? Should we bridge that now? What were the answers to your poser, Dan? Oh, we've so had... the two answers we've been given are um, Edgar David. Good shout. And Professor Fox. And... Well, we don't know the right answer, do we? <laughs> no, 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 I just checked to see if I've got it, and I haven't yet. Paul Warhurst. So... That seems a good shout. Possibly. I don't think Paul Warhurst has played in a World Cup, though. No, that does seem unlikely. And I don't but know if Edgar Davids has played in so, League One. I've been given a clue. Oh, he, he played for Portsmouth. Of course. Great clue. Mm-hmm. And David, I feel like we should all Davids know now. Teddy Sheringham? Did he go Canu? Canu played for... Teddy Sheringham. Did he go down for <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, well, let's not just sit here in <laughs> silence trying to figure it out. Instead, <laughs> let's move on to Great a bit of this. <laughs> this is almost fantasy football. Yes, what screams fantasy football more than a trip to Huddersfield on Wednesday, followed by a trip to Stoke on Saturday? The most English of English weeks, in the words of Daniel Farker, and I guess David Wagner, because it's a German saying. So I look forward to David Wagner saying it, obviously, about the English weeks, which apparently is in German football, where when you play loads of games, well, you know, like a midweek game, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday is an English week in German football. That's how Daniel Farker called it. And therefore, I impose all the rules from Farker onto Wagner. Uh, Only fair, exactly, Maddie. Well said. Reunions. Norwich are being reunionized. <laughs> That's not a word. With Neil Warnock, who turned, who, who had a job interview at Norwich, made the joke about his style <laughs> of football. Still one of my favorite. Can I tell it? Because he'll probably tell it in his presser. He was in an interview with the Norwich board, and they asked him, "Oh, Neil." That's the that's <laughs> that? uh, Neil. Oh, Neil. Uh, was that Paddy? <laughs> uh, I don't, I've never done impressions of Paddy, nor will I ever. Love you, Pat. Um, Neil, um, how do you think your style of football will go down with the Norwich supporters? To which Neil Warnock said, Oh, winning football. Uh, um, <laughs> Oh, that's the joke. Anyway. Oh, sorry. And he didn't. He didn't get the job. So yeah, Neil Warnock, um, David Wagner, obviously being reunited with Huddersfield. That'll be exciting. And then obviously we're all reunited with Alec Neil, so he can once again tell me it's Alex. <laughs> um, so any reunion anyone wants to talk about there? What's the reunion you're most looking forward to, Daniel? <laughs> well, I'm not a Huddersfield fan, so I suppose Alex Neil. Against Stoke, <laughs> particularly looking forward to the Wagner uh, reunion because we're already united. Um, I suppose I am looking forward to finding out who is injured. That's the question I was going to ask. How, what are the injury updates from after Sunday, yesterday's game about Onel and uh, Marquinhos and Max as well? Yeah, Marquinhos. Marquinhos was a was a knee, <laughs> wasn't it? A knee, I think. I'm trying to think if he said now. I think he was knee. Was Max, he was holding Max, his knee, definitely. Yeah, Max was his knee and Arnel was his ankle. So let's just, you know, rule them all out. Who knows? <laughs> we shall see. Uh, it doesn't sound great, obviously. Um, and there's obviously when you're playing midweek, can you just give them the weekend? They give them that off so that they might make Saturday. They're the only injuries, I think, aren't they? Because it's a pretty, pretty fully fit squad at the moment. I mean, so well, Dowell obviously is out long-term-ish, isn't he? Yes. If um, if Max is out, that presents a bit of an issue because I assume we would want to play. Well, Lungi is the obvious replacement, but you sort of feel that's this is the problem with being a utility man. You can't be in two places at once. But I wonder whether that whether Wagner, given that we weren't particularly good on uh, well yesterday, um, whether we might want to throw Sorensen back into midfield, um, but may not have the option to do that. He's so much better in midfield. I thought he struggled at right back yeah, on Sunday, did. and I really like him as a player. But but it might be because of that scenario. It may be away from home where he probably will have a greater share of defensive work. He's he's more more useful with that sort of sh- 
you know, role, and you, you don't necessarily need the players going forwards, possibly. So, so, so well, then maybe... I'd say there's probably not much defensive work against Neil Warnock's Huddersfield side, though. I'd, I'd be surprised if they do a high press. I imagine it's going to be a very, very low press. That doesn't mean there won't be any defensive work, Dan. I can tell you when they start. But what I mean is, Swinton will probably find himself higher up the pitch yeah. than he might normally. Loving the pronunciation, Dan. You've you're doing a well, beautiful. If only the US announcer on the, on Sunday could mm. pronounce it. He rhymed uh, Cholis with uh, what was like whoop whoop. That's the sound of the Cholis that he made. <laughs> yeah. Yes, maybe that was deliberate. Yeah. And he was so excited that Josh Sargent came on at halftime, which again, that's why Josh Sargent then basically won the ball three times in 60 <laughs> seconds. It was amazing. So that's grand. Um, I mean, who who else starts and doesn't start? Uh, if, if I was looking at Sunday, I felt a bit disappointed with Christos when he came on, if I'm honest. And Adamida was a bit lost um, as well. So... Uh, obviously the players who don't play are much better than those who are playing because that's how logic works. So Steve, are there, or Maddie, are there other Maddie, the changes you would make? I played Jakob have... several times in different well, positions. Yeah. I mean, where would I put him? Is the big question. Not would he come on because we all know the answer to that, but I think it's possibly time to give Eda a rest because he doesn't seem to have been set in the world light over the last few weeks and he's had the chances. And there have been times where, you know, not to fall back on the old cliche, but his hold-up play's been good. Um, it just seems like sometimes we we were almost having a drinking game the other day about how many times he could get caught offside at the home game before um, in the Cardiff game because it just seemed like every time he went forward, his positioning was was that bad. And I do feel for the lad because he's just come back from about seven different long-term injuries and he's finally getting some game time, but if he's not working in the system, then you can't let sentimentality dictate that he, he should keep his place. So I think maybe go back to having Josh in the starting 11, because that was working when he wasn't injured. Give him another go again. He's clearly desperate to get out there and do something. I mean, Huddersfield won't have the American PA announcer, so we might have that um, that difficulty. We might need to um, play Bruce Springsteen to get him jazzed up or something. But I think give him a run out. Um, when it comes to the fullback situation... If we're going to assume that Max isn't playing because we want to keep him safe for Saturday, well, Wagner doesn't really seem to trust McCallum. So that leaves you with the only option of having, having Dimi on one flank and Jakob on the other. And to be honest, I thought they both did a lot better when they switched flanks towards the end of the game. When Dimi went on the right and Jakob went on the left, I thought that things, their progressive play was a lot better than it was um when they're on what you might think were their more natural flanks. I know that Jakob is a right footer, which is a bit strange for a left back, but I, I I thought he did a lot better there and he was progressing the ball a lot better. If that is what we're going for and we're not setting up so defensively, then maybe that is something to look at. Um, other than that, I can't really see him making too many changes, but then that's one thing that's kind of baffled me about Wagner's sides, that he is so willing to make the changes that perhaps other managers wouldn't make. You know, there's the the old saying of never change a winning team, which doesn't seem to apply to David Wagner. He just, just changes it however he feels like. Everyone was saying to me, oh, you don't need to worry about Lungi being dropped out. He scored. He was great. He's not going anywhere. And I'm thinking, well, you would have said the same about Marquinhos, you know, a week ago, but he just chops and changes how he feels like it. So trying to predict the starting 11 at the moment just feels like a waste of, waste of time and energy because I've got no idea what that man's thinking. He's, he's trying to match them up tactically, obviously, but then it seems like, whatever opposition we're playing has already been 20 steps ahead of us. So it will be interesting whether we assume that they're not going to press us and set up to play attacking or whether we reckon that, oh, we're away from home, we're a bit shaky against Sunderland, we'll go more defensive and stick that steel in the midfield. I I think that's probably what I'm most interested to see on the week, on the weekday. Well, more so than the injuries, to see whether he does make any changes that aren't enforced. There was a really interesting quote from Angus Gunn on Sunday where he basically said that he didn't know what it was but they've been preparing for what they're going to come up against in terms of the opposition in the in like recent games and then they've done something completely different <laughs> and they've had to then <laughs> deal with that and he did sort of say look that's not an excuse we've got to deal with that but it did find it it's, it doesn't strike me as a uh, I don't I like I want people to be honest so I'm not going to criticize him for it but it in terms of, of that situation, uh, it doesn't sound great 
Uh, I asked David Wagner about it and he was like, well, that's why we need to only deal with what we do as a, as a team. You know, we need to be independent in terms of our principles and then we can figure out, you know, what we're coming up against. But um, I just found it interesting that he was like, well, yeah, we keep preparing for these teams and then we kick off and they're like, oh, you're doing something completely different now. And it's like, has, surely there are several iterations of what you're going to come up against and you need to be prepared for it. Are we saying that uh, after Tony Mowbray trolled us yesterday, that actually Warnock is going to come at us with an incredibly aggressive high press after all? <laughs> well, that would be the equivalent. It would be the equivalent. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, Alec Neal, Stoke have a few players back and they look like they're quite handy at the moment. So that's going to be a really awkward game, Dan. And also, I mean, like Norwich should obviously beat Huddersfield. But, and I don't know, maybe it's the supporter in me, but I'm a bit like... Uh, I can kind of see what's going to happen here, if I'm honest. Well, Neil, Neil Warnock did a bit of a number on us with Borough, didn't he, in 2021 at Carrow Road? I think uh, it was Neil Neil, Neil, Neil. It? But, So Warnock's always got that in him. But, I mean, the, he has. there's not been a new manager about since he went in at Huddersfield. They have. They are really struggling at the moment, as Wigan were, when we went to their place and did not yes. uh, get going. three points. Keep so going. It's, it's obviously been tough, but aside from Wigan, we have been good away from home. Yes. Wagner. Yes. And so far, we have really bounced good. back well from setbacks, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, the only thing I might, that I'm slightly worried about, if there are injuries to Marquinhos and Onel, that will kind of, it, that, and with Dowell out, that does cause a few issues up top because obviously Dean Smith was very keen on playing um, Sergeant on the right. Wagner hasn't been keen on that for very good reasons. When Wagner and Puki played together, they've basically been as a nine and a 10. So who would play in, on the right in that situation? Maybe Cholis, I guess. So we uh, potential being weakened against a team absolutely battling for their lives down there is uh, it's going to be a really scrappy, difficult game, I imagine. But as I said earlier in the show, with 10 games remaining, we essentially have to win a minimum of six of those. Then these two, these two games away from home against a team in the bottom three and a team with nothing to play for now, really, they, they are must-win games now, aren't they? Both, both must win games. Six points. I think. I think six points. Yeah, because I mean, our running is tougher, isn't it? Than sort of. So these two games before Sheffield United at home, I think these two games feel winnable, and they and we need to be winning winnable games now with the season running out. Must good performance. Not just a must good performance, <laughs> not but just a must win performance. I, must good result performance. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it is a must good. I think it will take a scrappy one nil. You know, it's a not must good performance. Bundled in off Hanley's ass, we'd, we'd definitely take that. Um, in in terms of the last ten games, um, we play four teams. So just based on the whole nineteen points that we might need, thing we play four teams that are in the top eight with us. And we play five teams in the bottom eight, and then the other one is Stoke. So I would have to agree with Dan that I think, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we could get some scalps um, against the likes of Blackburn, Sheffield United, Borough. But um, I don't think we can be dropping too many points against the teams that are below us from here on in. Um, and going back to the team, I think, I feel like Ida and maybe also Nunez would have been dropped for this one had it not been for the injuries but um Anita may be anyway I think Sergeant will almost certainly come in um although he wasn't fantastic either in the second half yesterday um but obviously he's still coming back from injury um the, the other option I suppose for right back if you wanted to move Lungi into midfield although it feels ever so negative but he has played there a little bit in the last few weeks is Andy Omabamadele so whether he'll go with that to match i'm assuming huddersfield are physical just because they're managed by neil warnock that that might be incorrect but you know that's another another kind of body for set pieces hey who knows maybe we'll score from one now i've talked about that happened last time didn't it when we were saying someone's going to score a 30 yard volley i'm going to predict that we will score a header from a corner <laughs> on wednesday um and uh, just uh, the other thing about this, uh, it doesn't have to be a header just no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anything will do, but I'm, I'm, I'm calling ahead. The, the other thing is that the teams in fifth and sixth, Blackburn have got Reading at home on Wednesday. Millwall have got Swansea at home tomorrow. So they're both at home to woefully out of form teams. Um, if we don't win and they both do, we're four points off um, sixth. One, one little positive is Luton, Blackburn, Millwall all have to play each other still. That's um, so it means they can't pull away as much as if they weren't playing each other. All aboard the 85-point train. <laughs> Although 81 points might be enough. Um, 
Uh, oh, well, that's grand. Uh, can he have a business then? We have got time for can he have a business? Hands up, apologies. We definitely have got time for it. <laughs> um, maybe that, should, that could just be the action for Kenny other business <laughs> um, we have another guess uh, which could be right I don't know we yeah. have another guess for Dan's question Steve Finnan is the guess from Michael Joseph so Michael Joseph has guessed he has guessed Steve Finnan so I'm, I'm desperately asking for the answer now so not, <laughs> it's, not <laughs> defender, it's not a defender it's not English they're not English is it, and are, you still going to be, are you still going to be able to have impressed your mate at the end of this? I'm not, I'm not convinced. Can you tell me <laughs> the answer? Kind of comes off the wrong way. They've played one game for Portsmouth? Uh, one season for Portsmouth. One season for Portsmouth. And they're not um, English. We're not allowed to end the podcast until this is done. No, no, it's fine. No, that's not true because people can email in their answers. I, uh... and we'll, I will definitely have an answer next week. Okay, probably. Right. Um, cool. Any One other more clue. He is, he is Irish. He's Irish. Okay. He's Irish. Uh, it's not uh, a defender. It's got to narrow right. down the World Cups. Yeah. Uh, well, let's... World Cup? Let's move that's on. That's the Ireland have been at, isn't it? <laughs> Shay Given. Did Shay Given play for Portsmouth? Is he there? Let's move on, he says immediately. Okay, yeah, well, yeah well, <laughs> if I get the answer, if I can get it right, obviously that's great. Um, any other things? Any other any other comments, Steve, or are we, uh, are we um, done? Craig Matlas asks, would you rather finish seventh or lose in the playoffs? Oh, what a question. Oh, dear, that is, that is like bursting a bubble and then rubbing your face in the air. Um, I'd rather I'd rather lose in the playoffs. I think at least at least we'll have some excitement and yeah. we'll feel like we've achieved something this season. That From would be. Oh, no, I'm not having that. Seventh, because if you lose in the playoffs, you're having to pay to get to Wembley, pay for your match tickets, pay for everything at Wembley, and then you still lose. And it's a day out that most people have already had relatively recently. Finishing seventh, you save money. You don't have to go to the, the semi-finals. You don't have to go to the finals. <laughs> you know, I'm a clash trap student. I've got to think of it from a financial point of view. I, I'd take seventh. Also, lo- losing in the playoffs could just be losing the second leg at Kenilworth Road, reliving oh. the glory of Boxing Day in May. I'd take losing in the playoffs as long as it's not uh, to a Johnny House and winner for Middlesbrough. I think that would be the I worst see. of all worst scenarios. Would that be worse than Aaron Ramsey scoring the winner? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't care if that happened. <laughs> I mean, I would care because we'd have lost, but I mean, Aaron Ramsey means very little to us, I think, now, doesn't he? That's not the point, though, is it? And you know it. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, well, in that case, I think we're done, aren't we? We've 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 run over time, obviously, because we're just so entertaining. That's fine. Can, can I yes. say the, the the correct answer has been given? Oh no! So now we've got to decide whether we <laughs> give all the people who've been readying with their emails just going no. Yeah. yeah, let's go on, go on down and announce it. I, I, believe, any... I believe he's been given. Uh, it has been said by um, by someone by a listener oh. relatively recently oh. and read out as well. Oh, okay. Well, we've by, only read out three names. By Michael Joseph at eight fifty four p.m. Steve, Steve let's, let's get him back up. Wow. Michael, Joseph. Well, well, Michael. Michael Joseph. Michael nice. Joseph. You win, Steve Finnan. it'll be mailed to you in one part (laughs) or three um at some point it's going to cost a bomb we're going to need a new sponsor maybe tamper or sponsor us for postage uh right um on that note i think we are done for another on the ball the norris city podcast that may well try to find mark fotheringham on the way to the john smith stadium can't believe we haven't mentioned him i was going to do a whole piece on him and he didn't even last that long see uh, if you had to do so just throwing that in if you had to do so make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice the pod is available free for everyone on your usual player and we stream the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels each monday evening have a search i'm sure you'll find them reviews and ratings wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated thank you in advance and if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals sing me a message on twitter a direct message even because i might pick it up 
Twitter is at Michael J. Bailey. That's the handle. As for this evening, a huge thank you to our wonderful guests this evening, making this a fantastic podcast. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us. Cheers for having me as always, Michael. I hope we do it again. We do it again? I, I reckon so. I think, we, I think we might be able to. Yes. Great news. Give me a bit more and notice next time. A bit more. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> 24 hours. Um, Dan, great work. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Pleasure as always. <laughs> Are you going to be that sinister with me? I hope not. <laughs> thanks, thanks, uh, thanks for the question. That was that was loads of fun, and you know now you'll sound great to your mate, <laughs> Steve. Well, I mean, he gave me the answer before I before I, before I knew it. So. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to, you know, hit you when you were down. <laughs> uh, Steve, you're not down. You're up. Thank you very much for being great. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. And the same to you. Enjoy Huddersfield and enjoy yes. soap. Yes. I've actually had to work quite hard to convince people at work that I should go to the game on Wednesday. <laughs> so, yes, bring on bring on the John Smith Stadium and then the Bet365 Stadium. Yep. Yes. Beer and gambling. What could be better? You've you probably got to ask. Yes, exactly. Beer and gambling. Well, I'm now asking the question. Why am I coming back to Norfolk in between? <laughs> I might as well just stay up there, mightn't I? Because you love Pointless. your family, Michael. And any oh, chance yeah. to come home is, is, the, is the perfect opportunity. Don't ask. You can stay with you. You, you, can stay with, you can stay with Dan yeah. for a couple yeah. of Yeah, I'm going to the Huddersfield game, so, you know, it could give you a list That's back. Oh, yeah. I can't believe you haven't offered until now, obviously, <laughs> when you have offered. Anyway. No one else cares. So let's wrap up the podcast. We'll be back uh, next Monday. I did say goodbye to everyone, didn't I? Yes, I did. Good. Uh, apart from everyone listening, thank you so much for being awesome in terms of listening and watching. Because without you guys, this would be rather pointless. We'd have fun, but uh, probably much more pointless. Uh, we'll be back next Monday, I'm assuming. Um, although you're not, Steve, are you? You're, you're not doing a podcast. I, I, I don't know how that's going to work out. Yes, it God. seems scarcely believable that... Uh, do you know how to do it without Steve? I don't think I, I'm going to be like, can someone keep... Who's keeping an eye on the comments? Oh, God. Who's doing all the numbers? numbers? There'll be no numbers. It's disorganised enough as it is. It is. Oh, it's it's absolute chaos. Steve's the only unflappable one here. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll probably I'll well, probably still turn up and look after the comments for you. It's not like I've got anything better to do. Indeed, yeah. You'll still be watching, obviously. Um, well, we'll be back next Monday. Um, come join us or listen, because it will be carnage. Uh, that will be another On The Ball Norwich City podcast. Of course, until then, would you please all, he says, stalling to get the music ready. Never mind the danger. Bye. <laughs>